go. It is a joy to be back. There we go. Now we're live, and uh, it is a blessing to be here. And let me flip that coin. Uh, Pastor Sam's is being very kind and gracious to, about me, but you have a, a man who loves God, and uh, you know that. Just to stand and worship by him was an experience. It really was. The guy can flat out sing, let me tell you. He's got a good voice. And he praises the Lord, and I believe he means it, and he's authentic and real. And so I'm so thankful to, to be here tonight. Thank you for inviting me. On a Tuesday night, uh, we left uh, Macon. It's about four hours. We made it in about thir uh, three hours and 45 minutes within speed limit, kind of, maybe. But uh, anyway, and uh, we got four hours to go back tonight. So pray for us as we head back. I have a Trey Shoemaker. Trey uh, rode with me. I appreciate Trey. He and his wife are in our church and their family, and uh, he's a true friend, a blessing, and we appreciate Trey. Thank, I appreciate you coming as well. You know, to get folks to come on a Tuesday night, it just says something. And really, I've been in ministry for 35 years now, was a youth pastor for 14 years and pastoring now for 21 years at Mikado Baptist Church. And, you know, we're trying to figure out, okay, what, what service will people come to and what won't they come to? And I was telling your pastor before, uh, before the service, Monday and Tuesday nights are the hardest nights to get anybody to come. They're going to come on a Sunday. That's game day. We call it Super Bowl Sunday. They're going to come on a Wednesday generally. We'll have hundreds of people come on a Wednesday night at Mikado. But man, that Monday night and that Tuesday night is very tough. And you showed up tonight. Yeah. Thank you. Even to hear some weird preacher from Macon, Georgia. I'm glad you're here. And I hope it'll be a help and a blessing to you. The Word of God's always good, isn't it? Yeah, it sure. is. And uh, you, you have, uh, as we used to say, you have already primed the pump by your great singing. And so I'm looking forward just for the next few minutes to give you, I hope, a very practical message. Uh, that's who I am. I'm just a practical preacher. And I want to give you some meat and potatoes tonight that you can take home with you. And hopefully you'll be able to put those in your heart and your head and God will use those to change your life. I want you to take your Bibles go to Proverbs chapter 23 tonight. Proverbs chapter number 23, we're going to look at one verse, actually we're going to look at a lot of verses tonight. My wife, uh, I was preaching not too long ago at a, uh, at a couples conference, for, uh, actually for Kurt Skelly last week, and we were in Virginia, at Virginia Beach, and my wife said, honey, I sat down, she said, you've got to slow down. She's, we've been married 35 years, and I preach very, very fast. I try to articulate so that you'll understand what I'm saying, but I'm rapid fire, so forgive me, and, and there's an echo, a good echo in here, so I hope I don't lose you tonight. I had the privilege for many years of being a youth pastor, as I said. For 14 years, uh, I was the youth pastor at two different churches in Atlanta, Georgia. And one of the cool things about being a youth pastor is I got to go on senior trips. One of our churches had a Christian school there at the church, and so I had the ability to go on senior trips. And we would always go to Disney World. And who doesn't want a free trip to Disney World? Could I get an amen on that one? I mean, I, we just loved it. And so me and my wife, we would, uh, this young man down here, he, he's ready to go, I know. And uh, anyway, we would love it. We would go, well, it, you know, I, I was born and raised in Florida. I'm a, I was born at Tampa General Hospital in Tampa, Florida. So I'm a Floridian by birth and love Florida. And I'd love, love uh, being here and being back as much as I can. But I remember going to Epcot Center, and man, it was hot that day. I mean, it was just like a typical Florida day as I grew up in it, you know, with wearing your bare feet, you know, and step, stepping on the sand spurs, you know, in the sand. And, and I grew up, you know, getting the oranges in the orange groves and throwing them at your buddies. And, I mean, it was a typical hot day, and we're looking for any, any relief we can get from Florida sun. 
And so it didn't matter what it was. It needed to have air conditioning, hopefully a seat that we could sit in. And we're hoping for one of those little cooling stations, you know, that have the spray that comes down when you walk under there. Well, we don't know where we're at necessarily other than it's inside, it's cool, and we're going to sit down. And so we go inside this whatever big theater, and only Disney does it so, so well. We go in this big theater, and man, I can remember sitting down in that plush chair, feeling the cool air on my sweat, on my forehead. I said, this is incredible. I had no clue where I was at. Right in front of me was a very unusual front of the auditorium. And there were two screens in front that were circles on those screens. There were screens that were circles. There was a circle, a, a screen in the middle that, 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 that almost looked like a triangle. And then there was a screen underneath that that looked like an upside-down banana. I thought, okay, that looks like a face. And then all of a sudden, the screen started to come alive as the program began. I, had, again, had no idea what we were seeing we have walked into a ride called Cranium Command. It wasn't a ride, it was a show. We walked into there and all of a sudden as those screens came alive, the two little circles eyes, the little uh, triangle was his nose, the upside down banana was his mouth. It was a genius work as the Imagineers of Disney had put this together. And all of a sudden those screens came alive and we were inside the mind of a teenager. You talk about a scary thing. <laughs> I remember as we're walking through the hallway of his classroom and you are literally inside his mind, you're seeing out his eyes, you're breathing through his nose, you're seeing his mouth there, and you're walking through this hallway and you see him look at this person and converse with this person. And I thought to myself, as I'm sitting there in that chair, I thought, what if somebody crawled into my mind today? What if what I thought about was on screens for people to see? You know, it's interesting, the Word of God, there's several people that we can crawl into their minds. In fact, we begin with Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we crawl into Eve's mind. You know the story, the Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, he said, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of the tree of the, good, uh, tree of the garden. And you know the story, as there's the tree of the, the knowledge of good and evil there. And the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good. The thought process was in full gear. It was pleasant. It was something to be desired. She's thinking to herself, I guarantee you, I would like to have a bite of that fruit, whatever it is, and I also would like to be like God. And then you fast forward and you go to Jonah. In Jonah chapter number 1, the Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And the thought process in Jonah's mind, I guarantee you, is in full gear. And he's thinking to himself, I do not want to go to that city of Nineveh, because that's where they destroy people, and, and they fillet people alive, and let them burn in the hot sun. He said, I'm not going there. The thought process is beginning. And you know the story again, as he is now going to Tarshish, the opposite direction. They say over 2,000 miles opposite from Nineveh. Why did that happen? Because of his mind. 
And then you climb into the mind of three guys. I love this story. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 3, verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them. And he said, Now at what time do you hear the sound of the sackbut and the, halt, the, 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 the psaltery and the harp and all these instruments, you do now bow down unto this image which I've made. And I guarantee you, Pastor, I would have loved to have been the youth pastor of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I guarantee you, these guys are thinking to themselves, we can't bow down. The Bible says, ye shall have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. They knew the word of God. And as their mind is thinking there, they're thinking, I cannot disobey my God. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 is one little phrase, but it is chock full of truths. The Bible says, for as he thinketh, in his heart, so is he. I believe with all my heart, if the devil's going to get us, I want to be practical tonight. He's going to get you with your thoughts. My question to you tonight is, what are you thinking? Father, thank you for the opportunity you've given me to be here at this church. Thank you for the pastor. Thank you, God, for the word of God. It doesn't return void. And I pray, Father, you'll help us a very, very practical thought tonight but Lord my goodness gracious we all deal with things in our hearts and our minds Lord that can derail us in a heartbeat and I pray father if there's anybody here and there has to be somebody because there's people breathing in this room and we're all sinners God if somebody needs this may we apply it to our life thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus name we pray amen, amen. it was A.W. Tozer that said this contemplating the fact that more than 10,000 thoughts a day pass between our ears he says our thoughts not only reveal what we are they predict what will become right. in fact from studying the brain here's what scientists say they say that that repeated thoughts actually create physical grooves in the brain he said when you practice a skill a sport or maybe you study a, 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 an instrument they say that, that that carved into our little brain tissue is a trench and that's another reason why it's hard to break a habit they say that repeated thoughts become not just grooves, but deeds and repeated deeds become routines. What is the word thought? It is any reasoning or idea or opinion in the mind. Now, I want to give you this, friends. I want you to get this. I want us to see several truths concerning your thought life and my thought life from the Word of God. Number one, realize this. Understand that the discerner of our thoughts is God himself. When you understand that, don't you ever forget that God knows everything. You say, what do you mean? He's omnipotent. That means he's all-powerful. You can't outstrengthen God. God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere. You can't outsprint God. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. So you can't outsmart God. So get it. If you can't outstrengthen God and can't outsprint God and can't outsmart God, you and I are not smarter than Almighty God. The Bible says in Job or John chapter 16 verse 30, we see the declaration of God's knowledge. He says, now are we sure that thou knowest all things? Job 23, 10, we see the direction of his knowledge. He knows the way that I take. And then you see in Luke 16, 15, the depth of his knowledge. God knows our hearts. So here's what we've got to realize. That there's absolutely no place to hide from God. If you're in the car, 
he's there. If you're in the office, he's there. If you're in the bedroom, he's there. If you're in the back seat of a car, he is there. If you're at your computer, he is there. If you're looking at your phone by yourself, he is there. He is everywhere, my friends. One of my pet peeves is for preachers, and I've heard this, and I've actually said it, and I said I'm going to stop saying this. Well, Lord, would you be with us? Our God is everywhere, friends. He's everywhere. He's right here tonight, right in the midst of us. So when we pray, God, be with us, maybe the definition of be needs to be explained there. But our God is everywhere. You can't get away from God. My daughter, when she was four years old, Joy, Joy's 25 now, we would love to play the game that many of you played, and it's called hide-and-seek growing up. And uh, I had a pickup truck back then, and Joy would, uh, she would crawl up into her little body, and she'd climb up into the back of my F-150, and she'd crawl up in there, and, and, and she, would, she would be in that little, you know, the back part of the F-150 there, and I knew exactly where she was at. Exactly. I saw her climb up in there. And sure enough, I'd walk by the truck, and I'd say, Joy, where are you? And I could hear this. <laughs> little four-year-old girl just giggling inside and I would act like that I didn't know where she was maybe that's bad I don't know if I'm teaching bad things there but I knew exactly where she was at sometimes friends you and I think hey God you don't know where I'm at and God says wait a minute I know everything about you understand that my friends God knows everything the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, he's a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word discerner means judge. The discerner of our thoughts is God himself. So you and I must realize that God knows our thoughts completely. Yes, sir. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, the Lord searcheth all the hearts and he understandeth all the imaginations. Can you imagine talking to somebody that knew your thoughts? Can you imagine if I went to preach and I'll use him as an example and maybe he forgot to brush his teeth and let's say that he could read my thoughts and, and can you imagine I go up to, to, to pastor and I say, hey pastor, how you doing? Good to see you. And he talks and it, it, it just his breath smells like a dead animal crawled up inside of his mouth. I mean, you've talked to people like that, right? We have a few at our church and I wish they would wear a beekeeper's hat just so we could at least keep some distance. But anyway, and can you imagine if he knew my thoughts and I'm thinking to myself, man, that guy, I wish that he would brush his teeth. And he says, I just brushed him a few minutes ago. And I think, God, pity his wife. <laughs> can you imagine if, let's say that you're going to, well, you're, you're dating and, and you're wanting to go out with this beautiful girl and, and you're thinking to yourself, and boy, I'd love to take her out and, and she can read your thoughts and she says, I'm available on Friday. You're like, Whoa. But in the Bible, my friends, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, and in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, of both the scribes and the Pharisees, the Bible says Jesus knew their thoughts. He knew everything about them before they ever said it. God knows our thoughts completely. Number two, he knows our thoughts continually. The Bible says in Psalm 130 verse, 139, verse 2, Thou knowest my down-sitting and my uprising, thou understandeth my thought afar off. God doesn't go to bed. Right. Psalm chapter 121 verse 3, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Psalm 121 verse 4, behold he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. There's absolutely no place you and I can hide from the presence of Almighty God. Adam and Eve tried, it didn't work. God knew exactly where they were at. Jonah tried, it didn't work. Ananias and Sapphira tried, they were both killed instantly. Why? God knew their thoughts completely and continually. Right. You say, preacher, why are you so passionate about this? 
because I battle probably the same things you battle. Because I deal with people, 1,000 members in our church, and I deal with people over and over again, and our staff deals with people over and over again at Mikado Baptist Church who would never have done what they had done if they didn't think about it first. God knows everything. The discern of our thoughts, number two. The development of our thoughts. You say, okay, preacher, what do you mean? Who then, how are my thoughts processed? Now again, I'm not a rocket scientist. You don't have to be one to get this. But this is about as simple as you're going to get. How are my thoughts processed? I want you to understand this. Thoughts are a reflection of what is in the heart. I got ready this morning. I'm losing my hair and I don't, can't do anything about it. I've tried. And so you grow when you lose your hair, you just grow it where you can. And uh, so I'm losing it back here and I've had a full head of hair all my life. It's just, you know, probably too much information. But anyway, and uh, the bottom line is I'm just going to let it go. As they say in the, in the Disney thing, let it go, let it go. It's just going to happen. And it is happening. When I got up this morning, my hair was sticking out every which way it could. I looked in the mirror and it reflected what it saw. I looked in the mirror uh, and, and I saw that I have a scar here. That scar has been there for 52 years of my life. It happened when I was a six-year-old boy. That, refle- that, that mirror simply reflected what it saw. You say, preacher, what are you getting at? Your thoughts are a reflection of what is in your heart. Right. You see, friends, a mirror simply reflects what it sees, and your thoughts are reflected of what it sees in your heart. You say, how do you know that? Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts. And then he lists this laundry list, murders, adulteries, fornications, uncleanness. And then Mark echoes in the background. He said, well, let me tell you my version of it from the Lord. For from within, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, and they defile a man. The word defile is the Greek word koinu, and it simply means to make profane, to pollute, or to be unclean. Now, let me say this, friends. If it's in your heart... It's going to come out in your thoughts. That's what the Bible just said. Why? Because thoughts are a reflection of what is in the heart. They are produced because of who we are. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The word deceitful means crooked or polluted. So when I think wrong thoughts, it's because I'm a sinner. You are a sinner, my friend. I don't have to tell you that. I just did. But the Bible says all have sinned, and because of that, we're under the judgment of Almighty God, and that's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cruel cross so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. I don't know if you're here and you know Christ is your Savior or not, but I'm here to tell you Jesus wants to save you tonight. Don't delay. Don't wait until it's too late. I told you about my brother. Last time I was here, if you were here, I told you about my brother who died at 44 years old suddenly have a heart attack they did a google search tried to find out exactly what his last words were you may remember this and his last google search at 11:57 p.m was three words heart attack symptoms and before my brother could click on the link he was in heaven two weeks ago two weeks ago his wife 53 years old beautiful lady two of my two of my, my niece and my nephew are 22 and 19 she thought that she had bronchitis four, five weeks ago, was in England on a trip, went to the doctor when she came home. The doctor said, I'm sorry, you have cancer that is stage four. It's metastasized. It's now in your brain, and it's all over your body. 
Two weeks ago, I did my sister-in-law's funeral. She had no idea that five weeks before that, that what she thought was bronchitis that you treat with some type of antibiotic or whatever they use would eventually kill her, my friend. You say, why do you say that? Not to be a fatalist. I can't make you go to heaven. I wish I could. But my friend, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if you don't know for sure that you've got a zip code in heaven, get it settled right now because life is short. Yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. How are you going to die? You don't know. Right. When are you going to die? You don't know. And that's why the Lord says today is the day of salvation. Thoughts are produced because of who we are. We are sinners. Number two, they're provoked by what we see. Now friends, I'm going to park here just for a quick second because I want you to get this because the Bible says in Lamentation 351, mine eye affects my heart. The word affect means abuses or defiles. Your eye, sir, affects your heart. Your eye, ma'am, affects your heart. Your eye, teenager, your eye, children, affects your heart. Your eye affects your heart. You realize this, friends, that pornography consumption can be as mood-altering and as addictive as narcotics. That Richard Drake, assistant professor at Brigham Young University College of Nursing, said, in fact, some studies have done and have been done and indicated that pornography can have the same effect on the brain as cocaine, that images can be permanently burned into the memory by epinephrine, a chemical in the brain. Did you know, friends, that according to Nielsen net ratings, that one year when they did the survey, 17.5 million people visited porn sites that year, and it is so much more than that. Do you realize that there are more places for hardcore pornography these days than there are McDonald restaurants? Do you realize their target is 12 to 17-year-old boys? Because they say, if I can get them when they're young, I'll get them the rest of their life. My friend, the devil is out to ruin us. Chuck Colson said this. He's called internet pornography spiritual crack cocaine. Because of how quickly people can become addicted to it and how destructive it can be to the human soul. You say, does it affect God's people? Just ask a guy named David. Because when you think of David, you think of the greatest time in his life, David and Goliath, and you think of the worst time in his life, David and Bathsheba. What was the difference? A thought process. Because David looked, he lingered, he lusted, and then he lost big time. Big time. Here's a guy after God's own heart, a guy who wrote the Psalms, a guy who who sang music to the Lord, a guy who was phenomenal. He could be a praise and worship leader in any church, my friend, and he blew it. Why? Because of a wrong thought life. Some of you have little kids or you know you raised your kids or raised your grandkids. And you know what's interesting? They've got these really unique things that you can put in the little electrical outlets, little plastic things here so kids won't stick bobby pins in and electrocute themselves. They got those little plastic things. You know what I'm talking about. I don't look, look at me like I'm dumb. You know what I'm talking about there. You know that, that some of you ha- that have a second story, you have a baby gate. You know, so that that gate goes across, it's usually tan, and it's got this wicker in the middle there, and it's across there, and you got that so that your child won't fall and hurt himself. Do you realize that you, when you fed your child Gerber baby food, that the the very spoon, I brought back horrible memories for some of you. I saw the girl grimace on the second row. 
Gerber, baby. Do you realize that the spoon that they use has rubber coating on the spoon so they won't hurt the tops of their little mouths? And I thought to myself, we have all these things to protect our children when they're little. What are you doing, sir, to protect your mind right now? What do you have from getting electrocuted? What do you have to keep you from falling down the stairs? What do you have, my friend, from getting, to keep you from burning the top of your mouth? And it's not just men, it's ladies. My friend, let me tell you, I believe with all my heart that wrong thoughts are produced because of what we see. They're provoked by what we see. Then I came upon a verse in the Bible. I thought, that's interesting. Do you realize thoughts are made public by how we talk? Not only are they produced because of who we are, we're sinners, not only are they provoked because of what we see, I mean, lust, I mean, destroy so many families, but number three, they're made public by how we talk. You say, what do you mean? It's Proverbs chapter 30, verse 13. Listen carefully. If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if thou hast thought evil, leave thy hand upon thy mouth. Say, that was really dumb. It's an illustration. He said, if you thought foolishly, lay your hand upon your mouth. You know why? Because if you think it, you're probably going to say it. You and I both have been there. We've both done it. And once you get, we got fishermen in here, because a guy showed me, showed a flounder or whatever he just caught. We got fishermen in here. And buddy, once you throw that, that, that cat, that, that reel, that, that line out there, and you got the bait, maybe you got a, a, something on there a, 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 to, to make sure it goes way, way out there. And, and let me tell you, unless you set the bail real quick, that thing's gone. Some of you have done that with your mouths because you thought wrong. You know, it doesn't take me very long, and I'm not a judge and a jury, but as a youth pastor for 14 years, pastor, I could sit in the back of a teen room or maybe a special meeting where I was speaking at and not say a word and just listen. And I could generally tell the spiritual temperature of a group of people. Why? By their mouth. Made public by how they talk. How's your mouth? Once you see number two, though, they're revealed. Not only are they a reflection of what is in the heart, thoughts are revealed by our actions. Now, this, again, is about as simple as you're going to get. Psalm chapter 10, verse 4 says, The wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. I got a MacBook computer today, a Mac Air that was delivered, a MacBook Air. I, I, the church bought it for me. Mine was 10 years old, and it was doing some crazy things. And, and so anyway, they said, well, we'll get you another one. And so they got one. I got it in the mail today. And uh, it's got the M2 chip, you know, and some neat, it's got the, uh, the, the, I don't know how many RAM in it, but it's got a lot of RAM and memory and you name it. And, and you realize this, that that computer didn't just create itself. <laughs> you say, well, duh. You realize there's some brains that put that chip in there? You realize there's people that they're on assembly line and it came from China? The, do you realize that they're, they're there and they're soldering this little piece here and they're doing this? And whatever it is, they're making that. You say, what are you getting at? Input equals output. That's right. That MacBook Air isn't going to give me anything that hadn't already been put into it. It's not going to create something. You say, what are you getting at? You will do what you think about. Did you hear me? If you control what you think about, you'll control what you do. 
And I've heard this over and over again. You don't just go out and do any action in life without some thought about it. I've heard people say, well, I just wasn't thinking. No, the reason that you did what you did is because you were thinking. And you did it. Input equals output. Joshua chapter 7 is probably one of the saddest chapters in my, my, my thought in the Bible, verse 20 and 21. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I've sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And thus and thus have I done. When I saw, there's where the thought life began. Among the spoils, a goodly Babylonish garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels. Then I coveted them. That's a thought word. And I took them. And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and, and the silver under it. The word saw there, it, it means to approve, to discern, to enjoy, or to gaze upon. Those are all thinking words because you don't approve unless you think. You don't discern unless you think. You don't enjoy unless you think. Right. And commentators differ on the interpretation of this. And I happen to have my interpretation of it. But the Bible says they took Achan and his family. And they stoned him. I don't know if Achan had a little four-year-old girl, but maybe he did. The Bible doesn't say this, but listen carefully. Can you imagine if they did stone his whole family? Can you imagine as his little girl walks out there and Achan is between two soldiers? And they take a rock, and Achan is doing everything he can to pull himself away, and he can't. And they take a rock and they throw it at his little girl and it hits her in the middle of the chest and she lets out a scream. And she says, Daddy, stop. Daddy, please stop him. And he's doing everything he can to get away and he can't. And then the next rock hits her in the middle of the forehead. And his little daughter crumples for a gap. All because Achan couldn't control There is more to a pebble going into the water than where it goes in. There's a ripple effect. When you think you can sin, sir, on your own and nobody gets hurt, let me tell you, a lot of people get hurt. Ma'am, you think you can sin and it's okay, you can't. Teenager, you think you can sin and nobody's watching, God's watching. I'm here to tell you, friends, we've got to be careful. Input equals output. Those are all thinking words. You see, we understand their reflection of what is in the heart. They're, they are revealed by our actions, and I believe this with all my heart because I'm a human being. They are repeatedly attacked by the devil because yeah. the devil will not give up on you. I don't know. We have some new Christians, I'm sure. I'm excited about those who are getting baptized, but the devil will not give up on you. He will come after you and come after you, and you better be ready. Yep. I'll get home about midnight tonight. And I always, always have a a gun beside my bed, and it's just me and my wife now, so we don't really have to worry about safety with little kids around. There's no little kids in our home, and so I've got a a, a Sig Sauer 9mm in my my bedroom right right at the drawer there, and I've got a 380 Sig Sauer right beside it, and and, and if a a robber comes in, and I, I hope I never have to do that, because if a preacher shoots somebody, it's really not good PR for your church. But if he comes in and he's crazy and he's trying to get my wife, I'm going to pull that thing out and I'm going to shoot at that guy. I'm just going to do it because I want to protect my family. But I guarantee you the robber's not going to call me and say, hey, Rusty, I hear you're going to, to preach at, uh, uh, at you know, a church in Jacksonville there. And, and, I, and, and I just want you to know that we're going to be at your house at midnight. The robber's not going to do that. He's going to try to surprise me, to catch me 
when I'm least ready. And that's what the devil will do. He'll try to hammer you and get at you when you are, when you are least ready. He will repeatedly attack you over and over and over again like an M16 machine gun. He will come after you. Let me tell you, bullets will be flying. You say, preacher, preacher, I know I'm feeling it. I ask you this, what are you doing to protect yourself right now? 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeketh about who he may kiss on the lips. No, who he may devour. He wants to ruin your family. The discerner of our thoughts, God knows everything. The development of our thoughts. But I want you to see number three, the deliverance of our thoughts. How do I get victory over wrong thoughts? How can I get victory? Let me just give you a simple little thing here, and I wish I could tell you where I got it, and I would give credit, but I heard this once someplace. I said, you know, this is excellent. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Let the mind of the master be the master of your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You said, preacher, how do I get victory over wrong thoughts? Number one, remember that evil thoughts are sin. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 26, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination. That means they are disgusting to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. Evil thoughts are wrong. And you don't have to have anybody describe what evil thoughts are because you know what they are. Number two, recognize the dangers of a wrong thought life. Mark 7, 21 for from within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts. We've already mentioned adulteries and fornications and murders. You say, well, you telling me, preacher, that adulteries and fornications and murders all started with a wrong thought life? Absolutely. You say, preacher, it won't happen to me. Can I just stop you right there? What a foolish statement to say. Therefore, let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he saw a fall. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. In other words, you get cocky with God, you get cocky with your sin, you will go down and you will pay a heavy price for that, my friend. Your time is coming unless you repent and make it right. You say, that's powerful. It's Bible, my friends. And if I could crawl in front of you and scream in your face, I would do it and say, stop right now. Because yep. you're ruining your life. Ted Bundy was a serial killer. Ted Bundy supposedly made a profession of faith with James Dobson, who was famous for focus on the family right before he died. I'm not against television. I have cable television. I have several televisions in our house, and we pay Cox Cable at our place, and, and I love sports, and I enjoy watching it, and et cetera, so I'm not against it, so don't take this where I'm not taking it. But he was asked, you've killed all of these women I mean, multitudes of women. And they asked Ted Bundy, they said, Ted Bundy, where did it all start? Yeah. And he said, it all started when I started watching cable television and the things on it that I shouldn't. And my friend, let me tell you, you think that you're big and you're bad and you got a nest on your chest for Superman, you got another thing coming. Because the devil is after every single one of us. You've got to recognize the dangers of a wrong thought life. You've got to remember that evil thoughts are sin. And then number three, resist and remove any wrong thought immediately. Immediately. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. It is 724. My goal is to head back at 7.45, but I'll talk to anybody that wants to talk. In just about five minutes, I'm going to be done. 
And it's really a cool thing that, that, that Pastor Sam's has done. We're going to let two lions out in the auditorium here in about five minutes. They haven't eaten in two weeks, but we're going to let them out, and we're going to let you pet them. You say, that's absolutely crazy. There's no way. You know what happened? When I even started to pray, this place would be empty when my eyes were open. But if we brought some lions that Pastor Sam's got from the Jacksonville Zoo, and they were in cages, it's a game changer. Let me tell you, friends, you know what the Bible says? Bring every thought into captivity. As my instructor, when I was taking a private pilot's lesson, he told me this. He said, don't let the plane fly you. You fly the plane. In other words, don't, don't let your thoughts control you unless they're from God. You control your thoughts. Bringing every thought into captivity. When a wrong thought enters your mind, you have a choice, either park or pass. That's what you got. You can either stick that thing in park or whatever it is on your car, and you can sit there, and if you do that, then you know you'll probably give in to whatever you're thinking about. But if you pass, as Joseph did, and he said to Potiphar's wife, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God and left a piece of his garment in her hand because he did not want to sin against his God, then you will be the one getting victory, my friends, not the one who we talk about as a statistic of Satan. You see, when a wrong thought enters your mind, you have a choice of what you're going to do. James 4, 7 says, submit yourself therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if I'm going to get victory, i got to remember evil thoughts are sin, recognize what it can do to me, the dangers of a wrong thought life, resist and remove any wrong thought immediately. And number four, relinquish, the word means to give up or surrender, relinquish your thoughts to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, for who hath known the mind of the Lord, that we may inst- he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. If you've been saved, you have the mind of Christ. You have the spirit of God living within you. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You say, how do I do that? I let God renovate my thoughts. David looks up, he sees Bathsheba, he commits adultery with Bathsheba, he has her husband Uriah the Hittite brought to the front of the battle, he is killed, and in Psalm 51, David is in a renovation process. And he gets on his knees, I'm sure, and says, as he's pinning, probably with a tear dropping off of his cheek, he says, create in me a clean heart, O God. At the end of Psalm 51, he says, then I'm going to teach transgressors their ways. Sinners shall be converted unto you. In other words, he realized that if he went to God and God renovated his thoughts, that he could get victory. We do not read about David looking at a Bathsheba again. And I'm not saying he didn't battle with that, my friends, because he's a human being. But the bottom line is God can renovate your thought life. Then number two, let God rule your thoughts. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Here is the key, and do not miss this. The whole key to getting victory over your thought life is knowing and applying Scripture. Knowing it and applying it. If I'm battling with lust, I memorize Job 31.1. Why then should I think upon a maid? I made a covenant with my eyes. That's what Job said. I, I, under, I, I memorized Matthew 5.28. Whoso looks on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery in her heart already. If my problem is bitterness, let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away from you. In other words, I take out the verse that I need so when the devil comes, he's defeated. Right. Memorize, meditate, and then you mortify. You put to death 
those wrong thoughts. I'm selling a house. We have a very talented guitarist here. Sir, what is your name again? I'm sorry. Matt. M-A-T-T. Very easy. I'm selling Matt my house. And uh, Matt and uh, his wife are going to buy my house. And we go to the real estate agent. And, and we're you know getting all the details and working it all out. And we signed the papers, all 67,500 of them. And uh, we, we do all of the paperwork and everything. And, and I give him the keys. Matt takes the keys to my house. He's all excited. We shake hands. He and his wife move into the house. It's got a, a lower basement area there, and it's got an upper area, obviously. And he, he get, takes the key, and he opens the front door, and he opens the back door, and he, he goes to, the, to, the, to, the, to the, the, the basement area, and the basement door has a window that you can see down the steps at the bottom of the basement. And he can see at the bottom of the steps, there's a bunch of boxes there with Sharpie, Rusty's clothes, Lisa's pots and pans, that's my wife's name, my kid's stuff. So he tries the front door key and he, it doesn't work. Matt tries the, the back door key and it doesn't work. And So he calls me on the phone and I say, hey man, how you doing man, how you enjoying the house? Oh yeah, we're loving it, it's great. He said, uh, he said but I got a problem. I said, well, what's the problem? I thought you really enjoyed it. He said, yeah. He said, uh, he said I, try, I tried to get in the basement area there. He said, I saw some of your boxes down there, and I tried the front door key, and it didn't work, and I tried the back door key, and that didn't work. He said, I was wondering if you had a key <laughs> to the basement so I could get in. And Matt hears something that he never expected. He hears me on the other end of the phone say, Matt, I didn't sell you the basement. That's mine. You'd say, that's crazy. When Matt and his wife bought my house, they got all of it. If you've been born again, you are bought with a price. You are not your own. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are His. You know what's bad? Because there are Christians who say, you know what, I'll sing praises. And you sang out tonight, praise God. There are Christians that can quote John 3, 16, and John 3, and Philippians, and you name it. Man, they can do it. But they've kept one area of their life that they said, God, I'm not giving this to you. And it's our thoughts. I ask you tonight, what are you you bow with me. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight at this great church. And Lord, my prayer is I understand that everybody could come forward tonight. I got that because if we were truthful with you, we all deal with wrong thoughts. Lord, I'm not trying to get a group to come forward tonight. They can do business however they want to do business, but Lord, I pray that we will. As a keyboardist plays, if you just play something silently, whatever, but God, Lord, I'm going to ask you just to think right now, and then we're going to be done. Maybe tonight you're like me. Just because I'm a preacher doesn't mean I'm immune from sin. I battle probably the same things you battle, or close to them if they're not the same. I wonder how many would just think to yourself and say, I admit I'm, I'm battling a wrong thought life. It may not be lust, it may be other areas of your life. Maybe you say, I have fought wrong thoughts of anger and jealousy, and you fill in the blank. You know what that is. 
But here's, here's the, the Neosporin and the Band-Aid. You say, tonight I make a decision to give my thoughts over to the control of the Lord. I surrender my thought life to God. Some of us in this room probably need a, a rededication in that area. Some of us probably need to say, God, I, I need to give this over to you. Just a minute, I'm going to walk down. I don't get notches in my belt or stars in my crown for anybody that makes a decision. All I do is deliver the message. What you and I do with it is up to us. But in just a moment, if you feel led, I'm going to ask you to come. You prayed earlier. Maybe you want to come and pray tonight. Amen. Just because you come pray doesn't mean you're battling with lust. I'm not saying that we try to divulge what we're battling with other than between you and God or maybe someone you've wronged. You may be here tonight and you say, Brother Rusty, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Brother Brian will be down front and I'll be down front as well. And boy, if you don't know for sure you're saved, I would encourage you to get it settled tonight. However God is working in your life, I encourage you to listen to him and obey. As we I heard that the preacher said last night, it's not just hearing the word, it's heeding the word. What are we doing with what we hear? If God's spoken, I challenge you to come. I'm going to ask you to stand quietly to your feet now, if you will. Pastor Sam's going to ask you to come and close however you want to close. If somebody wants to do business with God, either standing there or come forward, I encourage you, don't put off the Spirit's conviction. I'm just going to ask Aaron to keep playing tonight. I want to encourage you. Listen, guys, you just heard, you know, really what we need to do is we need to listen to that over and over and over again. And uh, I'm going to have the pastor give us give the notes so I can give them out. Because there were so many verses and so many things said that we all need. Please think about that. If your mind is thinking evil, put your hand over your mouth. And, and, and scripture is the answer. And, and this is a kind of sermon, really. You don't make a decision and then it's all changed. You basically make a decision to embark on a journey of your, of your mind being transformed. How about us with our kids? How many of us are running around our house with no plastic in the plug? Our kids with their phones. Our kids with their television iPads, no oversight, dangerous. And what about us? Filters and thoughts that should be checked and scripture that needs to be absorbed in order for that to change. That doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't just happen because you decide it happens because you, you start a path of your heart being transformed. I want to encourage you right now, if you want to come and pray with your family, with your kids, by yourself. I'm going to send these notes out to you this week. I'm going to do it. We're going to think about that some more. But as we close out this conference night, I'm going to invite you to come right now. We're just going to bow for prayer and just come and pray. We prayed again like we did before, but pray specifically about application to this message in your heart. And so as Aaron continues to play right now, why don't you come and let's consider praying and concluding our time together.